All right, so I'm Raul with the Catch Wrestling Alliance, and we have a very special guest today, uh, my good friend and other catch wrestling coach that I trust, John Strickland from American Hook Wrestling. He's all the way in South Carolina. Welcome, John. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Hanging in there. So a lot has happened since uh, we last uh, spoke on, you know, on in, you know, on online at least. Uh, you want to give us an update on how you're doing? Well, you know, I'm doing well. Um, you know, uh, as I say, you know, I try to keep moving forward every day. Uh, you know, a lot of people um, I have asked, and you know, I had a heart attack back in October. And uh, I didn't realize I was having a heart attack. I thought I'd hurt my arm. Um, you know, my breathing was fine. I didn't have chest pain. I didn't feel sick. This arm, my left arm just hurt. And it started to get worse. And it radiated from my shoulder to my fingertips. But I thought it was actually a wrestling injury. That's what I suspected. Uh, my weight was, you know, I could have lost a few pounds. I really wasn't overweight. But I had apparently my body and cholesterol don't get along very well. And uh, so, you know, whatever it is the human body does in controlling cholesterol somewhat naturally, my body didn't. And so I had to go on a cholesterol medication. And, uh, but they told me, my wife, thankfully, had called EMS uh, when I was complaining about the left arm pain. And basically because of like family history, like, and, you know, my family... And so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I walked to the ambulance on my own accord. Uh, they didn't need a stretcher. I told them I had a wrestling injury. I was fine. They did an EKG right there in the back of the ambulance. And they're like, uh, you need to go to the hospital. I was like, uh, okay. So uh, that's when it started really kind of kick in. And they started giving me baby aspirin and stuff and like nitro. I started a little bit scared then at that point, you know, and the pain got, the pain in my left arm was horrific. It really hurt. I mean, it felt like my arm, best way to explain it. If you put your arm in a trash compactor was kind of how it felt just like it was crushing it. Mm. Uh, and so anyway, um, they told me, we when they got me in the hospital they got me kind of stable i didn't go on oxygen i never lost consciousness no chest pain no nausea just arm pain so i thought like this is a nothing burger and then they came in and told my wife that i had a 98 percent block in the lad which is aka the Widowmaker artery which when they called it the Widowmaker, they didn't really need to you know Used two more adjectives at that point. Like, I kind of understood what they were oh, like. Oh, that ain't good. It sounds really bad. And I was like, 98%. And they're like, Yeah, don't look it up. I, did, I didn't for a few months later. And then I was like, Oh, wow. Like, survival rate on those things are not good. And so I'm fortunate in that way. And um, yeah, you know, uh, obviously, I'm a very biased person when it comes to wrestling. But wrestling probably saved my life uh, that night. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And I think you said that several of your doctors are thinking along those lines too, right? It's like using your body and uh, wrestling itself can strengthen you in so many other ways that you can withstand. Not necessarily like it doesn't guarantee that you will survive, but 
it really helped you to kind of power through what was going on. Well, yeah, it was the, um, it was the fact that one thing I didn't have to take oxygen through any of it and I didn't lose consciousness and I didn't feel like I was going to lose consciousness. And I really think it has to do with getting, you know, headlock and strangled and choked so much where you just, you know, you're, I'm kind of, I mean, in a way, I mean, wrestling's already taxing on your body. So you're pushing yourself a lot of times, you know, when you're, when you're gassed or tired. Um, so I think that's already hard on your cardio. And then of course, when I'm getting like, somebody's trying to like, rip your neck off or something, you know, whatever. Um, we talked about that and they're like, yeah, I really think it's a conditioning thing with the body where you've done that so much that your body stayed calm and, and still was able to breathe in the situation without uh, without help. Um, they might have given me oxygen when they because uh, they put a stent in, so thankfully I didn't have to have a bypass. Mm. Um, they might have given me oxygen in that, but if they did, that they didn't tell me that. So as far as I know, I never received any oxygen uh, during that. Wow, wow, that's. Um, so it's kind of like that whole, was it the Dan Gable saying, or like once you've wrestled, everything else is easy. <laughs> I, I, I think so. You know, and I, I remember the doctor, one of the doctors or the nurses, it was a nurse that asked me, she goes, what's your pain now? Cause they were giving me, they put me on a nitro drip and then they gave me morphine for the pain and, and it, and it pretty much instantly kind of took the pain away. But, they were like, you know, what did it feel like? And I said, I felt like I was getting double wrist lot by Billy Wicks, and he wouldn't let go. That's what it felt like, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. So they, of course, they had no clue what I was talking about, but you know, <laughs> they were they were like, "Is it really painful?" Like, yeah, it sucked. I said, "It's not the worst pain I've ever felt, but it sucked." And they're like, "It's not." I was like, "No, no, 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 no." <laughs> Chris Rogers uh, headlocking you is worse, but yeah, I, I think it. It reminds me of a, a story that our, our, our mutual friend, John Smith, had at, uh, at Oklahoma State. And actually, I brought this up when we saw him together uh, in Dallas uh, about how he said wrestling probably saved his life from, uh, I think he was in a hunting situation where he was in a stand and the, and the stand collapsed and he would have landed on his back and it was you know pretty high up, I think 30 feet or so, I think he said. He was able to hip heist and get his hips turned, uh, which uh, I, I believe John Smith could do that. I do. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. like the, a cat falling, right? And he just lands on his <laughs> lands on the. Screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, it just you know, perfect reflexes and you know, quick like that. So I, yeah, I, I think it. You know, in some ways, you know, my wife even told my son the other week because you know I've had some injuries and. I'll be 52 in October, so I'm starting to get a little bit of age on me, I guess. Probably some listeners that probably go, wow, that's old as Jurassic you know, <laughs> Park. And then for some listeners, maybe not. But um, I remember, gosh, I never, never thought I'd be 50. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it seems like when you're a kid, time moves so slow. But when you become an adult, you can't get it to stop, you know. Uh, but my oldest son has said to my wife, you know, wrestling has beaten dad up. And I don't like seeing him in pain or hurt. But uh, I was really proud of my wife because she also told him, she said, Ben, wrestling might have also saved your dad's life. So, uh, and I would argue that it's, it probably has more way than one. Uh, you know, um, it's one of the things outside of my family and friends that really pushes me to uh, 
obviously my time really on the mat is kind of over, but I do feel uh, not even obligated. I just want to make sure I help that next generation come through. Yeah, oh, that's great. That's great. And then even the whole physical thing, right? Because, um, uh, you know, using your body and, um, you know, that's going to, it's going to pay dividends like, uh, you know, even later in life, right? Like, you yeah. know, is, uh, Dick Cardinal, right, was a, a very fit individual, right? Do you want to kind of oh, mention that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just a remarkable guy, you know, and, you know, with him and him and Billy, I mean, there's a big difference in, I mean, you, you got two guys from basically the same generation. Dick was a little bit older, but their personalities and everything were just so much different, even though both have a similar background story and how they got into wrestling and wrestling with some old timers that were really good. Dick with August Sepp and Billy with Henry Cullen. And um, of course, Bud Anderson and Ben Sherman were in that gym with, with Dick, which were some really tough guys. Um, that's, I think, making confirm, you know, by lots of different sources. And, you know, uh, Dick was a guy who was very blessed and had the injuries. And he told me, he said, one of the things I, you know, learned early was always staying in real good shape. Because for one thing, if you do have injuries, you're going to heal better from your injuries. You're going to stay stronger. And, you know, when we talk about staying stronger, we don't mean like, you know, weightlifting, like you're a world champion weightlifter. But, you know, if you have an injury, you know, because for like for Billy, you know, it, it pops. I mean, like, I, I think by probably 2000, <clears throat> I think it's around 2007 or eight, uh, he, he was not walking on his own. Um, I, I would say he didn't walk on his own. I mean, he might could get from like one room to the next maybe, but it was a real struggle. And uh, I was staying up at his house for a few days and my friend Drew Price was in town and we were having to, we went upstairs because he had kind of a downstairs kind of apartment thing set up in the house that he lived in. And we, we went upstairs to, uh, to have dinner one night and, uh, and we went, we thought we we're going to watch UFC and he ended up just coaching us on the living room rug and making us do stuff like, you know, you know, wrestling drills and stuff. But, but we helped, had to help him get up the stairs, and that emotionally was kind of hard on me to see him that way. And then you take a guy like Dick, who up until the point he he passed, I mean, he was a guy who was teaching aerobics uh, to senior citizens. He was teaching aerobics uh, to people 65 years of age and him at 90, and he was in better shape than them, getting around better than them. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it really pays dividends, right? So if anybody listening, if they can, you know, take that to heart and like, try to use your body as much as you can because it's going to help you yeah. later. Yeah, and that was one thing he told me. He uh, Dick told me one day, said, John, and I'm guessing this was uh, about the time I had came out in Los Angeles and when, uh, uh, when I think you had the first CWA event, and he had told me, because I was talking about my knee and stuff, and he had told me then, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a secret. And, uh, and and he goes, well, it's not really a secret, but I'll just give you some advice. And he said, get in the best shape. He goes, how old are you? And I, I don't know, I was like 45 or something, 44 or something like that. But he was like, get in the best shape that you can now. Uh, because one day you won't. You know, he goes, it's so much easier to get in real good shape and then do a little bit to stay in that shape. 
then get so out of shape that it's such a just it's almost impossible to get healthy again. And I've seen that even honestly with my parents, like, you know, where, you know, both my parents are in their, uh, I, I guess, late 70s, but they're, you know, where, you know, my mom was a very active person, tennis player, swimmer, snow skied. And by the time she was <clears throat> even younger than me, she just wasn't doing anything like that anymore. And that's taken a toll on her. And uh, my dad, my dad's whole theory of exercise is playing 18 holes of golf with a golf cart, which really isn't exercise, I don't think. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you can walk it without the golf cart, then that, that can that can be some exercise. Yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, you got to be using those uh, legs and those arms and moving them a lot. Yeah, and I mean, so at this, so at this point now, it's kind of honestly with him. It, and uh, is at a point now where his doctors would even say you need to you need to exercise, but you need to be careful how much you exercise. And that's 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 when you know you've gotten yourself in trouble when the doctor says I, I don't want you walking further than this or doing more than this exercise wise. Like you've really got yourself kind of out of shape at that point. Mm -hmm. So as a like, so now that you're recovering and you're 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 coaching again, right? I mean, you really yeah. are taking time off from coaching. Excuse me, I'm sorry to say that part. Like you really, like, even though you had this incident, like you, you actually, it didn't really take you out from coaching for very long. No, it, it didn't. I and I, I listened. You know, uh, the the uh, day I, they uh, uh, when I was uh, when I left the hospital that morning, we went over the do's and don'ts. And uh, one of the things was uh, that I, you know, was moving slowly. I couldn't do a whole lot at first because of that stint, uh, because they went through my arm and I need to be careful. I couldn't even drive a car the first week. But I came in, I think I was, I think I, one of my guys can answer I think I was in practice that first week, though. Uh, but I was more of an observer. I just kind of watched them, you know. And uh, of course, it's kind of hard to do that sometimes and not try to like help. But, um, I th I guess by week two it was a little bit more, you know, I was still more verbal. But then, yeah, within just a couple of weeks, I was I was on the mat once again, and and um, and you know, and here's the thing too: my cardiologist didn't put me in cardiac rehab. Uh, so the, the whole team, there were several of these doctors. They debated to put me in cardiac rehab, and this is almost always the case with anybody who has a heart attack. Uh, but they actually took in consideration what I was doing and uh, they asked me if I was going to go back to it. And I thought it was a trick question. Like they were going to yell at me. But I said, yes. <laughs> and I said, uh, they're like, are you going to get back in the gym? I'm like, yep. And uh, doing what you were doing. I went, yep. And they're like, you probably don't need cardiac rehab then. It, because they, it, it, the doc, my, car, my main doctor who had, had done the procedure actually said, the majority of patients I have your age that have will have a heart attack are typically really out of shape. And uh, in your case, it was the rarity that you're actually, you know, especially for the part of the country I'm in, we have a lot of, you know, obesity and fried foods in the South. And I do eat a lot of fried foods where I did. That's no more. And you eat healthier, which makes you feel better too, by the way. 
it does, especially when you get used to it and your taste buds can change and what you like. But getting back to that, um, it, it was, uh, yeah, it was, you know, he said, you know, you're in your situation, it's just the cholesterol was building. And had I been smart and like, every now and then got a physical and got this things checked, we could have been prevented, you know, with some preventive care, it would have never happened. Uh, I had no idea it was building like that. So, you know, again, I didn't really see any symptoms until it happened, but had they had my cholesterol checked, that'd have been like, whoa, this isn't good, you know? So, um, yeah, typically they said yes it's typically because people don't exercise but in your case it's just it's kind of a genetic thing so i don't want people out there freaking out and being afraid i would recommend always getting that check especially as you get a little bit older probably starting in your 40s but um but i don't know i mean i would consult a doctor on that i mean i shouldn't really probably tell anybody what age they should get that check but i would just say that um i didn't and uh i i should have gotten that you know, like a preventive care can go a long way. You know, I don't, I don't think I have to explain why that is. And it's a smart thing to do. Um, but yes, it, uh, the, the fact that with, you know, with all that, um, it was me getting back again, it was getting back in the saddle. And they did tell me they didn't want me like, you know, actually wrestling, like, competition wise and stuff because i'm on blood thinners and uh that kind of thing and i have to be careful for that kind of stuff so uh the stint that first week like i said and then uh with you know with my issue it's more genetic than anything um but but to also be very clear eating um you know eating in and out you know twice a week isn't probably the smartest thing for you just i probably shouldn't say that in and out is going to get mad at me but yeah I, i'm just saying like you know you got to watch the cholesterol that's what i'm saying so well now that you um like you have like a new um a new chance at you know changing your life and all that are you working on any uh projects well you have uh well yeah you know i'm trying to reinvent myself reinvent myself in this and catch as catch can um i you know i think one of the things in life that we do at any stage in life whether it's childhood to high school to to, to early adulthood to whatever we're always reinventing ourselves in some way and i think it's the same thing in wrestling you know um i can't do the things you know well i think i can i, I subconsciously but i know in good conscious like I hit a stand in Granby recently and it really upset my wife when she saw it on the live stream. Um, and, uh, it was awesome though, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of landed on my head just because the guy quit giving me continuous pressure and I thought he was. So it was, it was, it was like, it's not pro wrestling, but it was like a pro wrestling thing go wrong, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so, but anyway, you know, um, yeah, so I'm trying to reinvent how like I do things. Uh, trying to restructure my organization a little bit. Um, actually, I've got a couple of my guys that are now pitching in. They're going to start helping with the live stream practices 
from their gyms, and that's going to be really helping me a lot. Uh, I'm not in a part of the area of the country. I mean, this the wrestling is not really big here, you know. So jujitsu's kind of taken off, but you know, um, you know, there's guys. I've got several guys that are jujitsu players, and they all say the same thing, like. They're like, to be honest with you, John, you know, I don't mean to say this insulting, but like I can go to jujitsu practice and then go to work tomorrow. I come to your practice going to work tomorrow sucks. Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. And they're like, well, it's not that you guys, you know, it's just a little bit more heavy. It's a little, just a little, it's like, it's just more heavy and everything, you know, more, I don't know, grinding kind of thing. Um, but so yeah, it's reinventing. Now I am working on, um, and uh, some research that I've been doing actually for quite some time. Uh, and it's stuff that um, going back to conversations with Billy Wicks, conversations with Dick Cardinal again, um, things historically I've known, I've read over the years, um, being a fan of professional wrestling as a kid, uh, hearing some of even as when I say, you could say, I guess it's early or late either way. Uh, depending on how old your listeners are, but like things I remember hearing from the seventies as, as a kid, uh, in wrestling, you know, I started thinking about this some time back and that was about the course of wrestling history in the United States. Um, and how there was a major connection between amateur and professional and how amateur wrestling was catch as catch can and professional wrestling was catch as catch can. Uh, there were some things like just like conversations with pops, you know, he'd say, you know, we didn't call it catch wrestling. We didn't even call it catch as catch. We just called it wrestling. You know, like you going to wrestling practice today. Yeah. Hey, all right, cool. You want to wrestle? Yeah. So because we never said about style, you know, uh, <clears throat> You know, so he goes, you know, they would write that in the books. And he goes, I understood the style we were competing in. He goes, now the old timers would say in the carnies and stuff, talk about hooking and hookers and shooters and all that kind of stuff. So I, I remember having the conversations with him years ago. And I said, so yeah, it's like, he's like the wrestling I learned at the YMCA, John, growing up. And, and he spent some time, he didn't attend college, but he worked out with a college team every day. Um, just like he was a student or, or a wrestler on the team. And that was a McAllister College, uh, who I don't even think has a wrestling team anymore. I don't even know. The school might not even exist for all I know. But I, I, I'm pretty sure they don't have a wrestling program. But um, he said the wrestling he did with them and then when he met Henry Colin were basically a mirror image of each other. Except for everything Henry did was there's some subtle differences and little nuance in the way they did things. And then the hooking aspect of it all, it was, it was something new. Um, so, uh, you know, that got me conversations like that. And the same thing with Dick, Dick had a similar background where he'd won a, a, you know, I think it was like a Pacific Northwest championship thing, a tournament in high school, or it was in the state of Washington, Oregon. And maybe, I think it was like Northern California, Oregon, and Washington were all in one like zone then, or region. And, of course, Dick, when he won that, uh, it was pretty well known, but when he won that tournament, he 
the, the prize for winning the tournament was a private lesson with uh, a guy named Robin Reed, who was an amazing, arguably by many, the greatest amateur wrestler in U.S. history, um, but a guy who also uh, wrestled professionally. And, um, and I just had recently listened to an interview from 1989 by, um, oh, and I can't remember the guy's name. I mean, he was, uh, he was an older gentleman then probably in his, his late seventies, but he, as a kid, and I say as a kid in high school, talked about Robin Reed working out with him. And he said he would come in and he'd get you in a double wrist lock and never let go. Well, you know, all this, when you put it together and then you look at the old books, I understood that amateur wrestling was a lot different prior to World War II in this country. Um, so that's an area that's really sparked my interest. And I, I think, you know, when people talk about, you know, catch as catch can being popular again or bringing it back again, I always kind of, I want to say scoffed at that because, but I've heard that for a long time. And you remember even in the early 2000s sitting there with pops and, you know, when the guys in the gym, they're like, what do they mean? Bring it back. We haven't gone anywhere. We're here. You know, I mean, if you think it's going to major league baseball, that's, that's probably not going to be the case, but um, you know, what do you mean? Bring them back. We, we haven't gone anywhere. It's just not, you didn't need it in, to be in professional wrestling anymore. So it really wasn't, you know, I guess a sought out thing anymore. Uh, of, of course, it was a. In those days, you didn't go to find a gym to train in it. It was kind of an imitation thing. Like you better have an amateur background or you have some skill that they saw and wanted to. Like for example, he, Billy Wicks didn't go to train with Henry Cole, and Henry Cole hired him, and then taught him how to hook. And with Dick Cardinal, after Robin Reed's workout, he recommended August Sepp. August Sepp hired him to come to work in the carnivals and that's where they learned to hook. So a lot different than how we do things now. And, but going to the point, what I was saying of bringing it back, I think in order to have that stability where, you know, and I think we're, the respect is starting to get bigger or, or more, you know, people are starting to know us more around the globe kind of thing and respect it. I still think that, um, I think is is crucial to have that that bridge to be connected again, and from the amateur to the pro, or from the amateur to what most of your viewers know as catch as catch can today. I think it's important to have that, and with amateur wrestling now, with folk style, it's so much different now than it's a different style. It's not catch as catch can any longer. It hadn't been in a long time, but I, I think in order, in just my opinion. For, for, for the rough and tumble wrestling, hooking, whatever you want to call it, for it to regain its its leverage or strength in the world, I think it's crucial that the amateur part of it returns. I guess is the best way to say. So. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think you're totally right because like there is almost like this forgotten uh, section of history that. Uh, with regards to like amateur wrestling and then even the collegiate um, like competitions where they were using like 
double wrist locks or even like uh, I think you pointed it out where it's almost like a, what people would call it today like butterfly guard or whatever like someone was like seated and trying to uh, elevate or someone over them or uh, mm -hmm. it, it was a uh, very dynamic and I think that so maybe maybe some people might say like oh well, it's probably more evolved to be better nowadays but um, I, I'm not sure if that was the case I think it might might be more neutered today even though mm -hmm. um, even though I mean there are a lot of great folk style wrestlers nowadays but, yes yeah. Uh, yeah would you like to kind of talk about like the kind of like the, well, the difference or, and and like well yeah I, I think I agree. folk styles yeah, folk style is great. I mean, I got around amateur wrestling. Is uh, which I still try to figure out the zero. I think I was 78, 79. I was little, you know, mm -hmm. club wrestling kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, folk style is great. I encourage one of my sons that likes to wrestle, and uh, that's you know, I mean, he actually knows kind of like. He, he he doesn't own any hooks, any submissions, but he knows that's kind of what dad does. And he wants to know those things, but I'm like, you got to wrestle amateur before I'll ever think about teaching anything like that. Like, and it was like, you might as well forget it. Like for right now, like it, don't think about it because it's like, I mean, you're going to be in college before that happens. <laughs> so, you know, I don't, I mean, everybody each their own. I just don't, I don't want to teach a kid that like that, this stuff yet. Um, and even in the middle school age, I just think it's uh you know, and I'll judge you, but you know, jujitsu guys teach submission, I think, to, to kids pretty young, but I'm not, you know, that's just not my thing. People can do their thing, I do my thing. But, um, so yeah, the different, well, the difference is, I mean, you're, you, the problem is, is the, is with when they start going, you know, when you look at amateur wrestling, when it would go, you're talking 10, 15 minute time limit, there's no period. It was just, you wrestle for, you know, uh, the time limit. Uh, you either pin the guy or, or the judge or it went to a judge decision or a referee decision. There were no points. So I think they started deciding, well, let's come up. They wanted to make it, you know, more action packed to bring in fans. And it's like, you saw, we saw that kind of in the early days of the UFC where they, before the round system, a lot of the crowd who wasn't an educated fight crowd would boo when uh Hinzo or Hinzo Hoist Gracie and Dan Severn are in guard and they're fighting for 35 45 minutes or whatever that might be I loved it you know soccer Rava versus Hoist Gracie at Pride you know I'm I'm watching every second of that you know I'm drawn into it to me watching the Masters watching golf on television is boring so uh for it to appeal to me, they would have to make a lot of changes. Maybe if they could tackle each other on the green, I might watch watch that. <laughs> or they let Happy Gilmore actually play, I might would watch that. But uh, yeah, I, you know, the, <clears throat> so you started having the rule changes. A lot of that was to make it safer for everybody to do. The one thing I, I, I would encourage people to realize is, you know, an amateur, and I coached high school here for a short time, there's constant rule changes every year and every year they go here. Here's this thick man. You get yourself really accustomed to the new rules. And what happens is if we start out with, let's say for example, um, you know, we start out with a jigsaw puzzle of 5,000 pieces and then every year, Oh, take out these pieces. Oh, take out these pieces. Oh, take out these pieces. We're going to take this out. We're going to take this out. Eventually, you're not left with the same picture of that puzzle anymore. Mm -hmm. And in ways, it might not even really yeah, 
even resemble it. Um, they started putting a focus on the tag now. That wasn't a focus at all. Uh, and an amateur catches catch can. Uh, that doesn't mean because there'll be somebody say, oh, you didn't have takedowns. They had takedowns. Of course they had takedowns. The focus wasn't on the takedown. The takedown weren't going to likely win a match for you. Uh, especially, it's hard to, you know, as I tell somebody, it's like, well, you can be great on your feet and you have the takedowns. And the problem is, is you can't pin anybody standing up. Well, somebody could say, yeah, but if you don't take them down, you can't pin them. But here's the, here's the, you know, but there's more to this conversation. Two guys are wrestling. They both want to win by pinfall. This guy doesn't have to be good at takedowns. He doesn't even have to try. He can just let this guy take him down. Mm -hmm. Or vice versa. This match is going to the mat. And, oh, and in some ways, I kind of, it kind of does remind me of the old school mindset of jujitsu a little bit, where we just want the fight on the ground. But, and I don't want to go up on the takedown thing right now, but, but then the takedowns, even the stalling calls, you know, things today would get calls for stalling wouldn't get called back then. You know, like, let's say, I, I can think sp specifically, I ran into in the high school problem in the high school when I was coaching. I'm really big on reversals on bottom. That's my go-to. I like to roll guys, side rolls, Petersons, that kind of stuff. And that's pretty old school even, you know, today. And it's hard to run that in amateur today. It really is. You know, where you, I say, well, maybe we need to get back to our feet. And, and I actually, the funny thing is, is I coach the high school team to be take you down, let you back up. And people who know me go, you hate that. I went, I do. But I need to win. And that's playing the rules smart. Mm -hmm. It's a smart strategy. And it's an easier strategy to teach to a room of 30, 40 high school kids, especially in this part of the country where wrestling, like I said, isn't very popular and you tend to have a we tend to have a, would have a large number of kids who had wrestled ever at the high school age you know coming in you know even i, I think one year i had a senior who had his senior year in high school who did not wrestle freshman sophomore or junior and had no wrestling experience so you know but you go for that side role today uh, it really is going to be very up to the discretion of that referee and it becomes very subjective um you know so that's an example of um of that kind of, i mean and then okay let's go i'll tell you even i think most of your listeners uh, will know this double wrist lock the double wrist lock the key lock the short arm scissor maybe a short leg scissor i have to look front face lock uh, were all used in the early days of collegiate and even high school. What <clears throat> it, it, so and possibly even toeholds. Now, most of the things I've read on amateur, I haven't found like I, typically like the toehold now is banned. So when it says now is banned, I'm assuming at some point it wasn't. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, or 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 something might say the tall hold is seen more in professional wrestling. But if you were to take the, um, you know, it's a book that I always I highly recommend to guys all the time. From a technical, uh, as a technical book is the is the uh, the uh, 
Navy wrestling manual. I think it's from 48 or 42. It's from the 40s. Always get the year messed up. But uh, another one would be uh, Henry Stone's Intercollegiate book. Uh, those are both amateur wrestling books, essentially. Um, and key locks and double wrist locks are encouraged in those. Uh, and you pin people with it, you know? So, yeah, yeah um, I, I think this is probably a good point or a good time to mention where it's like, I think nowadays people consider those like submission holds, but they're, uh, mm -hmm. they weren't back then. I mean, they're just wrestling holds. And so mm -hmm. I think that might be confusing some people with regards to whether or not mm -hmm. there were submissions in catch wrestling or in, or there, there never were, but a lot of these things were just considered ways to control and like pin someone down um, that if you, if the person didn't pin them, they're going to go onto their back. They could they could be uh, seriously injured. Yeah, I mean if if you if you think about if we're standing up and I get you on a double wrist lock and I turn it, attempting to throw you or 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 sliding through to turn you or to drop and snap you and turn you. If you don't go with that, you're going to get hurt, right? So like if it's like if I take my hand right here and turn my wrist, my arm better go with it or it's going to get hurt right there. Mm -hmm. You know, so even go to Farmer Burns' manual with a toe hold. Uh, they're grabbing these holds, and, yeah, he's going to snap it hard. And so, yeah. I think that's obviously something a lot different than the modern wrestling today where like pops told me one time, you know, Henry grabbed this foot and said, go to your back or I'll blow out your knee or I'll tear your knee. I don't remember that. I mean, that's irrelevant. What the actual exact words were, yeah. but the point that he had made was you can get injured. Now that being said, this would have been in the, I don't know, the late 40s, early 50s. But Henry also told him, before his like, athletic shows and the carnivals, they wanted to submit you. He said to him that was, that, that was what was satisfactory. Satisfaction, he said, was to wrestle someone and make them give up. Make them no longer want to compete because you're hurting them so bad. Um, which we've talked many times. It takes a lot of sadistic, sadistic attitude. Unfortunately, I guess that would apply to myself too. I'm only, you know, I mean, but going back to the amateur part of this, you know, those holds were, were obviously taken out. And West Point Run was an amateur run. You can't do that now. Even though I, I came up with modifications for high school, uh, the problem is is it can become, it starts running to the area of dangerous hold or if somebody, if it hurts somebody, they can stop you from doing it. So, um, um, the way you'd cross face back then, you, you could, and uh, during this time, if you cross face somebody and grow for the far tricep, you could take their chin actually past their shoulder. If you could, you could take their chin as far as you want to get it. So if you take their chin behind their shoulder blade, eh, that's wrestling. High school today or collegiate day, eh, I don't know. You, you, you probably catch a felony for that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Can't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think people don't uh, see this difference. They might just think, oh, it's, uh, the images are black and white. So it probably is like rudimentary, but no, it is a, a different beast. And, but still, still a yeah, beast. And I think, I think one other thing, not interruption, I'm sorry about that, but to mm -hmm. uh, add this real quick, you, you also had to pace yourself more. Where I, I, today, you know, you wrestle a uh, two minute period. I mean, just go out there and go. I mean, it's two minutes, man. Just let everything hang out every two minutes, right? Mm -hmm. and, and just let all of it hang out. Let it hang out for those periods. Just go, go, go. The way that wrestling was then, and I've talked to some kids, some young guys that I've coached, where they're like, oh, I could have won a national championship. Then I'm like, yeah, be careful letting your eyes deceive you. You know, because not only do you have to wrestle a longer time limit without a break, the referees don't bail you out. I mean, watch an amateur match today and look how many times the damn match is stopped for a restart or for whatever. Mm -hmm. you, you, injury time, you name it. I mean, everything. They didn't mm -hmm. do that then. You know? And I'm not saying that I don't want to be that old guy going today's world any good, blah, 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 that kind of thing, or get off my lawn. But, you know, yeah, there's no question it was a more blue collar sport, but at the same time, I think it was, there's more, it was more Zen. It was more beautiful. It was the, the mat wrestling for, for a long period of time. And, you know, to me, that's art. It's beautiful. Not for everybody. Yeah. Now that, that, that sounds appealing to me too, um, because yeah, there's so many things with regards to the mat wrestling that, um, make it exciting right for someone who's like maybe the educated uh watcher or the ed educated viewer but uh these these things are like the real battle a lot of times yeah that's um and, and it's you know if you one of the things i have noticed too i was looking at, at russell Biss, who was on the olympic team at 24 robin reed and it went to paris and i'm sitting there reading about this last friday night or friday night before and I was just like, how awesome, man. They took a ship to Paris for the Olympics. And I didn't stop to think about it. I guess, yeah, I guess you just didn't grab Delta, you know, at the last second. And so that took a little bit of time to sell. So you got that time on a, on a ship and now, you know, you're going to wrestle in the Olympics. I mean, that would have been awesome. I really would have been great. And, you know, I mean, I can imagine for these guys, they're like, hey, they get to go, you know, a lot of these guys have probably never even really left their backyard very often. Mm -hmm. And now they're going, you know, now they're going to, you know, one of the most popular cities in the world. They're going to see a culture that would be around different cultures and, uh, uh, you know, and go wrestle and do what they love and, and compete and have just good fellowship with other people. I think that's really cool. And and then, you know, um, the thing with Russell Viss, and, and it was true with, I think, with Robin Reed, too, uh, I came across one of the articles the newspaper clipping where he, I know, gosh, I can't remember the guy's name now. It's a Japanese name. Uh, I don't know if he was, I think he was Japanese American or maybe he was living in the States. I think he was living in Hawaii. Uh, but a good friend of mine is a historian had told me, uh, yeah, the guy was a jujitsu guy. Uh, because that was actually coming into this country. There was actually jujitsu around, you know, in the early 1900s too. Mm -hmm. And this would have been in 24. 
or actually it has been a little after 24 after his after russell viss's olympic because he went pro but anyway they were working out and the the uh jiu-jitsu guy he was also was doing professional wrestling and um and and i found out he also was training in catch his catch can so they were kind of working out together that kind of stuff and um you know, I think there's a lot of similarities as much as some guys don't like to talk about that. But it was one of the things I learned quickly with Billy Wicks and in, in, in having wrestled amateur, having been in jujitsu and then getting with pops was the one thing I saw was like, it's kind of like it was catch as catch can was very similar to folk style, but it was also similar to, to jujitsu and not just because of the submission, but some of the strategy of being on the mat. Of winning the match on the ground, of being able to pace yourself, because yeah, getting tired get get anybody beat, regardless of how good they are. You know, so I I think that's you know, it, and I don't think people understand. I mean, we're talking, gosh, what is it? I mean, we're talking. It's going on a hundred years. It's getting close to it. That's a good bit of time, and you'll start to see that change. Like I said, think about that puzzle. You start taking pieces away and you maybe even let's do something different here. Let's add pieces from a different box, which means not only are you taking techniques out that you can't use any longer or no longer really needed. Now you're adding things because of, um, you know, you're, you're, you're really putting maybe a lot of emphasis on scoring that take now so you can score that quick too. And uh, all of a sudden, the way you practice changes, where your practice room is is now focused more on your feet, where it would have been, you know, 100 years ago, focused on more of, you know, more mat wrestling. And so over a period of time, it is going to look different. And I, I don't think a lot of people realize that, you know, um, if, and I'll just say this is shut up, but if we were to take jujitsu and we were to make, I don't know the rules of um, the uh, jiu-jitsu association for their tournaments necessarily. Uh, I know they tell me I can't net crank or something like that, but what I'm saying, like, you know, what their time limits are and all that. But if we were to take, we were to take jiu-jitsu and say two minute time limits, you know, Oh, we're going to wrestle your role wrestle for a couple of periods or, or they would call rounds by then, you know, mm -hmm. by the way, in boxing. And you said, hey, jiu-jitsu is going to be three rounds. Um, first two rounds are two minutes. Third round is three minutes. I mean, my gosh. It's going to – well, that's going to change strat not just strategy but technique. Yep. And what guys would focus on. And then if you add a bunch of points to it, you know, different ways to score points – you know, let's say jumping guard scores you a lot of points. I mean, you're going to end up with something that doesn't look like maybe the jujitsu of yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially if you get people that like, say for the Olympics, you know, it's like this uh, almost like a national pride thing. And then so people want to go to the Olympics, so they're fine competing under whatever the rules are that year so uh, then that allows things to kind of continue to go away from the original versions yeah yeah and i think with you know the olympics they would call it freestyle but we can go back to what i think it was was it um 
gosh, it might have been in the twenty. It might have been one of those. Was it maybe? The, was it the? It might. You know, I'd have to go back and look this up. But it might have been the Paris games where the uh, where they had what was it? 11, 12 hour wrestling match or something crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it was definitely one of the European uh, ones that were. Yeah, it was in Europe, I believe. Uh, it could have been that year. Yeah, I. I, I yeah, I don't. I, I used to. I used to be able to tell all that off the top of my head, but uh, anyway, that that's another thing. I I have talked to friends of mine who wrestled amateur. Uh, friends of mine who, uh, you know, who who don't know really anything about catches catch can, but one of my good friends I still to keep in touch with at University of Nebraska. And of course he's no longer in the University of Nebraska. I mean, he's a little bit older than me actually, but he, you know, he told me when he was, I had no idea there's ever been a wrestling match in history that long. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of it's because in the United States, you know, and we have viewers around the world, let's say, for example, you know, are you listening? They might totally understand what I'm saying here. Cause it's different there, you know, um, like what we do about, like, you know, we've heard from, you know, uh, you know, guys that wrestle like in Dagestan or somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. How it's different. In the United States today, we're pro, we, we, you know, I would challenge you to want to think about this for, uh, sit back and think about it. We, we, we're taught that the only way you can wrestle is in a school system. You know, oh, you wrestle? Oh, well, you, where'd you wrestle at? Well, high school. Well, you wrestling in high school, you know, you, you don't wrestling didn't start with public school. Wrestling's been around before. You can learn to wrestle. You don't have to be in school to learn to wrestle. You know, if, if, if you know how to wrestle and you got another person to work with, you know, that's, you know, so it, it, in these days, you know, high school wrestling wasn't still really a common thing, even with Billy Wicks and, and you know, especially when they were coming through, you know, you know, Pops told me, he's like, we didn't have a high school wrestling team. I wrestled at the YMCA. Mm-hmm. You know, and did this thing with uh, um, McAllister College. And um, I think Dick wrestled amateur in college. I think it was some other thing on high school, too. Like, you know, high school team. Um, and then there was those guys like Henry Cullen and didn't, you know, but they knew how to wrestle. You know, because you know, wrestling was, you know, you, you look at, you know, what was it? The gentleman's was it athletic club or I was about to say gentleman's club. I think it's just true. <laughs> I think it was like that New York athletic club, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and places like that or Al Haps gym in Columbus, Ohio, which is probably the most famous catch as catch can gym in America. I'd say it's probably like our version of Wigan kind of, um, a lot of guys came through there, but yeah, you know, uh, yeah. Well, uh, and I'm not saying that wrestling should come out of the school system. Don't get me wrong. I'm just using this, using that as an example that as Americans, we tend to think of wrestling as a school thing, as a school thing, as a school thing. And um, actually, one of my good friends, No Collins, who is a representative in my state for my district and happens to be a, uh, he, re- he referees the uh, collegiate and actually refereed at the NCAAs this year. He's, I think, in his early 30s now. And he had messaged me about being hurt the other day. And he goes, I don't know how you do it, John, at your age, because I'm, I think he says he's like 33. And he's like, I don't, this isn't a, this is even the referee ain't for young men anymore. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, 
Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm an idiot, but uh, yeah. So, but I, but I, but I think the point he was, you know, he, for him, it's like, oh, well, he just don't do it anymore, you know. And it's just so. I don't want to say orthodox, but it's been put. In, I guess that is the word. I mean, it's been put in a box that it's this way or no way. And uh, I would tell anybody listening to this who's, uh, you know, you get an 18 year old kid, or I'm sorry to call you a kid, but you, I mean, 18's like, I mean, you're, you're younger than my daughter, so it's a kid to me. But if, if, um, you go, well, I didn't wrestle in high school. I tell guys all the time, I want to train you. So what? But you, but you're going to have to learn to wrestle to do to do catches, catch can, or you're just doing a bunch of holds. And uh, I, I, you know, I said today to my own association, put this out: if a guy can wrestle and and a girl, a young lady, whatever, they can defend your submissions. You, you they got a good defense. They don't need submissions. If they got a good defense, you're not going to do anything with them. If they if they cannot wrestle you, you got a big problem. So you you got you got to be able to wrestle, and that's that. This sport doesn't need to forget that that part. Yeah, and even going back to say like the age thing too, because yeah, a lot, the, the old timers uh, often yeah um, they would say yeah you could just go from uh, like if you had to travel you can go to the local YMCA and then there's like a wrestling room, you know, which isn't necessarily the case nowadays. So it wasn't necessarily thought of as like a a kid thing or like a high school collegiate thing. It was yeah. like it was a, a, a part of the physical culture of the time. So you could be a full grown yeah. adult out of college and still be training. You know, so it, it doesn't have to be like it's over at once you graduate college. Yeah. I mean my high school I was in a private high school. We were a one A school. We were a very small private school. It was uh, a uh basically like a boarding school. And uh, he lived on campus. It was about three, three and a half hours from my home. And um, because of the way the athletics worked, we didn't have a competing state wrestling team, but we did. But we wrestled. We had uh, what I guess would have been like AAU type thing. Wow. Uh, so, uh, you know, that was. Uh, but the, the the yeah, I mean, it was. The YMCA's, there were YMCA's even in this area that had wrestling programs up until the, I want to say like maybe in the 70s, and maybe even as far as 80s. I know the the YMCA, uh, there I grew up near, just down the road, um, they uh, had wrestling and they had judo until like 82, 83. Um I, I think they went into more than the thing like karate came through stuff. So. Uh, but it went on that boxing too. You know, people forget that uh, there used to be boxing in college. My grandfather, and I know enough time for this, uh, my grandfather got me kind of into all this. And he was a, he was a boxer and he had went to World War II with the 82nd Airborne and uh, basically kind of like he, he says, wasted his boxing years. But apparently he was pretty good um, and had the potential to, you know, maybe do some things with it. But he, he got into, he did, you know, taught me a, a good bit as a kid and coached some. And, but one of his best friends was the head coach at LSU. 
Louisiana State University um, in, uh, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And uh, I never thought much about that growing up, even in high school and, you know, in my early 20s. But now I look back on it and go, wow, they had boxing and <laughs> NCAA boxing, right? I mean, you just, it's not something that obviously is very common now. And and actually, boxing is a good example because boxing is kind of the opposite of what we're talking about here. Boxing isn't in the school system, but exists. And that's kind of how wrestling, yeah, was too. You know, so. Even at UCLA, it's kind of a, a coming up. It's like in, their, in our gym, uh, uh, for some reason, it's a very popular class. So now we keep adding more and more uh, boxing sessions. And then now there's like, there there was before the pandemic, like a boxing club. Uh, because of uh, COVID, oh. I think they they stopped having the club, but now it's coming back for next year. So th that, that club is kind of like where you can start competing. And so I think there might be some, not, of course, not NCAA, but maybe some right. uh, kind of collegiate circuit, you know, where they can compete. Right, club, club box. Doesn't doesn't UCLA have a club wrestling team? Yes, yep. And jiu-jitsu and like taekwondo and stuff, yep. Okay, yeah, I, I think it's important too, and I'm glad that they're doing that because, I mean, oh, yeah, you know, does boxing have its drawbacks as far as violence? And I mean, and I know it's not for boxing too much, but like wrestling does too, sure. You can have injuries in any of these sports. You can have injuries in baseball. You can have injuries in volleyball. I mean, injuries, obviously, just in everyday life. Uh, obviously, getting the hit in the head, heck, can, it can, can, you know, there's risk there. But I think it's important, you know, as a society, and I don't want to get too philosophical or political here, but I think it's important that you allow people to make some choices for themselves to a certain extent, as long as they're not hurting, the, you know, the greater good and other people. Uh, as long as they're informed of what they're doing, you know, like if, if I get ready to go skydiving and somebody says, this shoe doesn't open, this could kill you. Uh, okay. You know, at that point, once I understand all the risk, I think, yeah, I should have some, some rights to do that. Uh, if, you know, it says, Hey, you're going to go skydiving in the middle of, uh, you're going to drop you right over the top of a uh, Hollywood Boulevard and you can land on other people and hurt them. Then, uh, yeah, you know, I, I see that being a problem, mm -hmm. but, um, yeah, so I, I really, uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm glad to see that they're that they're um, allowing you know allowing for that and or, or still having that. That's really cool. I didn't I didn't know they did that, um, you know. And um, we actually I worked out like uh, there was a, a small school around here, and at the time. It might have been four year. I think it was still two year. I think it was, but it was at the time it was called Anderson Junior College. And I would, when I'm, you know, with, 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 started with Pops, uh, because it was a two hour drive to train to go where he was going to, to coach at uh, Johnny's place, I would go, you know, let's say I would go there on Mondays and Thursday nights. So, yeah, if I didn't get there, I'd go like Tuesdays and like, you know, Tuesdays, like Wednesdays or Fridays or Saturdays or something. And I'd go over to Anderson College and work out with their guys. And their coach was really cool about me coming in and working out, you know. Um, but a lot of that's changed, too, because I know guys in other parts of the country who I've 
they couldn't really find a place to train, but they might have a local college nearby or something, a wrestling team like that. And I said, well, why don't you, you know, go by and talk to their coaches and, you know, to, you know, just tell them you want to work out with their team. You know, obviously you can't do submissions and stuff like that, but go in there and, you know, and, and work out with them and give them, be, be an extra body for them and see what you can learn. And, you know, they'll get on the map. And, uh, it's been hit or miss. Some schools will be open to it. Some schools are not open to that. Um, I guess there might be some, maybe some legality insurance reasons, that kind of stuff. I don't know, but that's changed too. Like that used to be, you know, you know, Pretty much, yeah. Come work, even even police gyms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that used to be, yeah, you know. Pop said, yeah, you could have walked into the Memphis because he taught combatives in, in law enforcement, and that was a that was the big part that he would do. And when I, and I don't mean like at an academy or going away. That was his full time. That was a full time position for him for a while in the sheriff's department, the sheriff's department, where he would work with guys and. Uh, he, you know, he he, uh, he he said guys would you know would come over there who work with the department and train. Uh, I know some of the deputy sheriffs that I work with here. There's a gym at the sheriff's department, but it, it, it takes an act of Congress for a civilian to get on it now. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I think they were called like the police athletic leagues and stuff. Right, where they would even have yeah. things for kids, and you know, it's like a more of a community kind of right athletic yes. exercise organization. Yes, and uh, I guess one of the things for me, you know, and uh, you know, I, I, I think with um, you know, like I said earlier, that I think for the for the. I don't know, maybe say perfect is the word I'm looking for here. Uh, in order to be in the 1930s or 1920s again for as catch as catch can, I think that amateur needs to, has to make some resurface. Now, I don't think that will happen in the NCAs or anything, but I know you and I have talked about this before about having, you know, catch as catch can for you know, for minors where they're not, you know, you know, nobody's getting toe hold, front face locked or anything that neat for us, a submission nature, you know, but we're using, you know, we're, we're wrestling, you know, 10, 15 minutes for a pin, mm-hmm. you know, and if you don't get the pin, you know, we, we, you know, what do you think one? Oh, well, you know, let me, let me say this real quick too, before I forget this. And, and, and I hope, I actually will make sure Chris Rogers, a good friend of mine, sees this. Um, and there's a thing he and I have. It's kind of an inside joke. But Chris is always wrong, and I'm always right. So um, he uh, we were to, does he doesn't like leg riders. And I don't like people that don't like leg riders. No. Uh, we, we have different, some different philosophies on this. But he and I were talking about this, and I had said, you know, in, in college today, you get you you get uh, leg riding scores you a point. Mm. Not more than. Yeah, that's I mean, I mean, if you can get, yeah, you, yeah thing riding thing. time is is yeah. bad. Yeah, they you know, like, okay, them, right? Yeah. Well, it's like riding time. You know, they'll add it up and they're like, okay, you scored your point. 
I mean, the point to write is to get the guy turned and all that. That's great. The problem I have with that, and uh, I actually, my wife told threatened to cut off the Wi-Fi in December because uh, she heard me yelling at the television, getting worked up during during uh, I can't remember the other school. The one school was University of Virginia, and the wrestler for the University of Virginia was was just absolutely dominating this other kid. And he, he, he was all over it. And he ends up losing on points. And he, I mean, for three periods, I watched him ride this kid all over the map. And I, I was outraged by it. I said, this is absolutely, and not outright, you know, outraged with a little bit of laughter, not like, you know, breaking stuff or anything like that. But, you know, I was like, this is ridiculous. He, he, and then the, the kid from the other school the whole time kept complaining and they kept stopping it, you know, like, kept, you know, his coach was a dangerous hold. I mean, he was doing like, he basically crossed body ride in Bar Nelson or further than that was power, power half, you know, and they were all just freaking out about it the whole time. And uh, the kid from the University of Virginia had a good attitude about it. I really thought like, I remember my wife, you know, I mean, she has to live with me, so she, you know, that's nice, John. You know what? You know, kind of one of those things. But you know, I said this is this is absolute garbage. I said, you know, he's absolutely dominating this guy. This is one of the reasons why I don't like the scoring system now at all. You know, and it's been that way for a while. I mean, you know, my lifetime. But that's the thing. So let's go back prior to World War II with catches, catch can as amateur. One of the big things that I was reading that the referees and judges will look at depends on the time that. At one time, he would go if it wasn't a pen. The referee would make a decision, and then there was an error where the ju- they'd have judges who made a decision. It wasn't point driven, though. Again, almost like I mean, I guess boxing is somewhat point driven on the ten point score system, but you have judges. Anyway, the thing that that most of these, whether it's a referee or a judge, uh, watching a wrestling match and nobody's pen, they typically would reward the wrestling match to the guy who was riding and controlling from top position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The person that's what, that's what won. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were there, were there uh, times when they would actually like time to see who uh, was on top the most? Well, I think, yeah, I think they had to kind of keep that track. And then a lot of times when it was close, it just went to a draw, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know, I tell guys all the time, nobody wants to get a draw, but it, you know, I actually I'd rather have a draw than a loss. But I mean, it is what it is. It's a draw, you know. It, 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 it's it's okay. You get to wrestle. You can wrestle again. It's not in the world. You know, it happens. Uh, but yeah, so so they weren't like keeping time, like you know, in a sense of like riding time. Mm. But if you got a ten minute match, and then you're looking at who basically, yeah. Uh, who dominates the match. Uh, I think more honestly, Darrell, I think it was more just, you know, them kind of watching more than anything and them going, well, that's over. What do you think, man? I think, you know, I think the kid from Cornell has it, you know, he seemed to be, you know, typically on the kid from Yale or whatever, which also is another cool thing about that era is that the Ivy League was extremely strong in wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, and today, you know, actually this past year is a kid from Princeton, uh, who 
won a national championship. I think I heard it was their first national championship in wrestling since 1950 something, maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's neat too because obviously, you know, in um, you know, to see that during that time, and I know with boxing as well, the Ivy League was you know involved in these combat sports. Um, so not only was this in a college, uh, you know, where you have amateur catches, catch can or even like I said, boxing at this time, it was neat to see it tied uh, to schools, obviously that have a, uh, um, you know, not just a high academic standard, but a lot of prestige, you know. And I mean, uh, you know, going to an Ivy League, you know, uh, doesn't necessarily make you more intelligent than other people, but it certainly. Uh, I don't think anybody can argue that. Um, yeah, you, you know, it's a, that's a good thing. I mean, if you can go to Ivy League school, that, that that's that is impressive, and you know, there's there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, yeah, that's a, that's a good school. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but Columbia University was like one of the major wrestling schools. I think, right? Not not ten yeah. out of there. And he'd won all the AAU uh, wrestling uh, championships and stuff. Yeah, and even today, it's still a sport that the Ivy League can compete in, like, you know, wrestling, or like wrestling, like football or basketball, where, and wow, especially football, you're talking about 85 scholarship athletes on a team, and the way that the NCAs have changed with transfer portal and um, the NIL, I mean, you know, uh, it's... Um, you know, a, a school like Cornell doesn't really have a shot against the University of Texas in football. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in wrestling, that's a different conversation. And, you know, Cornell uh, is a D1 wrestling program. And uh, Penn, uh, the Penn Quakers are a D1 wrestling program. And Princeton, uh, Columbia, uh, I think Harvard is, aren't they? Um, I, yeah. The Ivy League has a good many. I think. I'm trying to think who was on Ivy League. Is Lehigh Ivy League? Lehigh? I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure, but yeah, possibly. But Lehigh always has a has typically traditionally had pretty good programs. Yeah, they're pretty strong. Um, so yeah, you know, I think that in uh and uh you know the military, the service academies had great wrestling and boxing programs, you know. Tom Jenkins. Tom Jenkins. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, catch as catch can guy was uh, wasn't he? I think he was the first head coach at West Point. Yes. So yeah, I, that's uh, that's something. Uh, it's an avenue that um, and um, that I'm going to continue um, to try to research. You when I say research, I mean I don't. That might be a little overstating it. That might be uh, bragging too much. I wouldn't call it research. But anyway, you know, looking up stuff, reading on the topic, um, and um, I'm careful to use the word research today. Um, I think it's got thrown around a little too – I think it's got thrown around and lost some credibility too much, you know. But, you know, you know, I don't research it. I don't pick my phone up. That's not researching. But, you know, mm-hmm. studying the subject matter, really reading on the material, looking for good evidence to try to, you know, because a lot of this, we have to kind of piece stuff together a little bit to try to figure things out. But um, 
but I don't, and I don't think a lot is too hard. Uh, I would, you know, Oklahoma State University has several. Uh, they have in their they have a YouTube channel, uh, you know, and there's a wrestling from I think going back far as the thirties. They have on video. Um, now, obviously, the video back then is the the time lapse or whatever is very fast quick but it's pretty good quality for that era and um i've you know rewound 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 whatever backed up i looked at stuff really closely we were talking you're talking earlier about uh butterfly guard or um you know they're they were hitting elevators a lot of stuff it's very similar to that um mm -hmm. and these they have matches that last i think an hour or so some of these you know or not one match, but you know, several matches. But I think the videos are around an hour long, and I'm really glad. I hope one day they'll release more. Uh, I, I've heard they have a lot on, on the film that has to be transferred, mm. and uh, obviously, they're 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 you know, I mean, they're Oklahoma, I mean, they're not doing having a great season this past year, but they're still a you know, the premier program. You know, I'm going to get in trouble with some of our friends from Iowa saying that, but, um, you know, but that's a, a big program where they, you know, try to protect wrestling and save its history. Uh, and um, those, I'm glad those are available for people to watch. And, uh, you know, I, I will say that um, it's not, you know, it's not going from swimming to golf different or tennis to bowling different, but the wrestling is different from that era than it is now. Yeah. So please uh, keep us posted and, um, you know, hopefully maybe you can compile all your work into a book or um you know but either whatever you do with it you know i think it needs to be shared because uh, i think this is going to help like like make more clear the the image right how you're talking about a puzzle like you know this will help make more clear the image of like amateur catches catch can and, and catch wrestling uh in general whether it be like the amateur or the pro version right yeah yeah, I, I think I think so. And I do think, you know, when we look at professional sports in this country, um, you know, it's most sports in general, you know, they have a good feeder program. What I mean is they got a good program that builds to that point. And I think it's crucial to have a good amateur program to build to that point. Uh, I, that's just my opinion. And I think that's what makes, uh, catch as catch can, um, you know, a premier, uh, st sport or style in the world. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I, I've never been under the delusion that, you know, well, I would love for it to be as popular as something like baseball. Um, that's a, that's a huge, that's a huge, huge, huge goal to have. It might be a little unrealistic, but I do think 
that far as the average day competition, you know, um, I mean, when we go again, look at like jujitsu, for example, and we've talked about this, I know many a times, you know, the Gracies grew up in a home with cousins and brothers and, and you know, uncles and, you know, grandsons and sons all doing jujitsu from childhood. You know, people are doing catch as catch can at 10. To be, let's be honest, you know. Um, and so I think when um, we start having a system where, uh, you know, I mean, to me, when somebody asks me what would be the ideal guy to be end up being a perfect, you know, to be the best, you know, guy could be the best hooker or if you look whatever term you like to use here. Well, my opinion on that, is, well, I'll tell you, is somebody who, who, who grows up wrestling under the style, you know, understands mat wrestling from an early age. And then, you know, they're a good athlete, take care of themselves with the right things. They learn to hook well, do these things well. Now we're starting to really, I, now I think, I think we're really starting to get some traction in where, where that can go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And let's, let's just try to keep working on that and building that. Yep. hundred percent. So. All right. So where can uh, people find you if they want to uh, like reach out or find out more about your organization? Well, I have an uh, American uh, hook wrestling catches catch count on Facebook. Uh, I just got my phone number correct on there. Uh, I had people saying, I've been trying to call you. I've been trying to reach you. Well, you know, just call me the number or something's up with the number. And then I looked and I was like, okay, yeah, that's not my phone number. Um, so yeah, I, Apparently they put my number in, right? Uh, yeah. So uh, my Facebook page is pretty easy. I'm on Instagram. I'm Carney Wrestler too. Um, um, uh, Patreon, um, and I'm trying to get a little bit better with that. Actually, I'm getting some help now. I got some guys now starting to help me uh, with some of the social media stuff, and that's really going to help me to be a little bit more. Um, better response time than, oh, yeah, I got back to the guy in two weeks, you know, or, uh, you know, so, um, yeah, that's going to, that's going to be good to help, to help me uh, get there. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, Facebook, like I said, Instagram, um, and, um, I don't know about the others. You'd have, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I might be on Twitter. It's, I was on Twitter. You'd have to ask Cody Woods. I think he has a Twitter handle for me, but I don't know what that is. <laughs> well, at least the, the, your Facebook page is probably pretty easy to find. So hopefully people yeah, that's the, that's probably the easiest one. I got some of mine. But, yeah, that's the easiest one. Oh, sorry. Coffee pot yelling at me. But that's the easiest one to find me on. Um you can message me there or you can send me even a friend request to just my personal uh, Facebook page um, as well. Um, I don't, I don't post wrestling pictures on there, but I don't talk wrestling as much on that. Mm -hmm. That's just everyday stupid life stuff, whatever, you know, from family photos to my photos of my dog, to, to, to my, my, my thought about uh, whatever. And uh, if you go on there, I'll give you my opinion. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. But yeah, definitely do. but yeah, but yeah, but so if you 
if you just want to talk wrestling, you might you might just want to go to my regular pages. <laughs> so right, well, thank you for uh, talking with us for all this time, and you know, please just like uh, continue with that research and come on and uh, share anything you know anything you want, really. Yeah, uh, I'm going to, and hopefully, uh, I'm going to get some. Uh, I've actually got some stuff that I've got you know bookmarked and. Uh, uh, some stuff that I'm really looking forward to read. I just haven't been able to the last couple of days. I just have came across it, um, but I'm hoping by this weekend to be able to dig in and um, uh, and, and get in. I've actually uh, and I have talked to somebody uh, at a at uh, um, out. Oh gosh, oh, I'm trying to think where right now. Mm-mm-mm. My mind's getting bad. Wisconsin. And actually, they apparently, they've got some amateur wrestling footage from, um, like, it was a guy on YouTube, and he put a clip up. It's like, oh, I got a ton of, uh, like, wrestling footage, like, amateur or two era. Um, and so I'm going to talk to him about getting that, uh, you know, get getting uploaded that. Um that that'll be really cool because I mean he I mean he has said he had you know hours and hours of it so I he said probably over 30, 40 hours of it worth oh, wow. at his house and uh just you know like didn't seem like I just didn't think anybody really cared about wrestling that far back I'm like yeah absolutely there's probably more people interested than you would think or you might know uh, and then of course like um and then I've got some. Um, some actually some good newspapers. I found some good interviews that I got to go through. Um, and one of the things I know, like, um, was like, uh, it goes back to this again too. Like Billy Wicks was actually coached McAllister College for a while as well, and uh, he. Uh, so so you're talking again. You're talking about a style. And that's where I'll leave that as. There wasn't a huge difference between what Robin Reed did on Tuesday and what John Pesek did on Wednesday, except for make you yell and give up. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. For people who don't know about John Pesek, a lot of times uh, he was considered to be one of the like more punishing of wrestlers. Right, using you know even you even uh, uh, but tore up the knee of uh, Nat Pendleton, uh, who yeah. really aspired to become a a big pro wrestler. Yeah, uh, and and of course with Robin, there is I post this video all the time, so I know people are like, oh, please don't plug that video, John, because you post it all the time. But there's a video you can go on YouTube. It's called the legends of Oregon wrestling, I believe. And it says legend of Oregon wrestling. It's volume two or maybe it's volume one. Anyway, there should be another volume, but it's not up. And I don't know. I don't know whose YouTube channel this is, but it's gold in the sense that there's an interview with Robin Reed, uh, who would end up going and, you know, doing professional catch catch can. There's a, there's video footage of Vern Gagne wrestling amateur. I don't know of any other 
uh, footage of Ganya wrestling at amateur, uh, excuse me, amateur. There's conversation with guys who were old amateur wrestling coaches who talk about Robin Reed, as I mentioned earlier, and the fact that Robin Reed, as they said, he'd put you in double wrist lock and just destroy you and really punish you. And it was very just nasty and mean with it. Now, keep in mind, guys, we're talking high school age wrestlers here. <laughs> so Robin Reed is doing this to teenagers. Uh, you know, so yes, there's that's the mindset you're dealing with. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's pretty that's pretty pretty tough stuff. So, um, and 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 the only the, I think it was uh, Reed had said himself the only person who ever really just whipped him was Pasek. That he, he, he couldn't do anything. He couldn't do anything with him. So, wow. how's that your cat? Yeah, yeah, I think my cat's like wanting me to take off. <laughs> Maybe he's hungry again or something. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually got I actually got to go check on my cat. Like, and I hadn't checked on her this evening. So um, she's. I mean, she's fine, but you know, my wife does. But uh, she she tends she tends to kind of like to follow me, and so I try to at least you know. Not totally ignore if I can help it. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you can. I'll let you go play with your cat then. I'll go check on mine. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, that sounds good. Again. Yeah, thank you again for talking, and hopefully we can do it again soon. Sounds good. We'll all take care. Okay, thanks.